Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Well, good morning! It's so good to see you. Happy July. Is everybody staying alive out there? It's, it's melty. It's melty. Right? Um, well, I'm going to do a little part two. To I, I spoke a couple uh, weeks ago, and um, my opening ceremonies were so long that I didn't get to the end of the story. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to just jump right to it today. Uh, We're going to be in Luke 15. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about, oh, just the story we all love um, and just treasure that Jesus told um, about a father with two sons. And uh, we talked about how the first son took his inheritance and just wasted it and made a lot of really terrible decisions. And he came home to the father, um, you know, with a thought, a thought about the nature of the father got him back to the father's house. And he thought about how his father... Um, was so kind to even his servants that he was eating from a pig's trough and just even the servants in his father's house lived in plenty, that there was no lack even for the servants. And so his plan was he could just go back to the father's house and just live as a servant. And, um, you know, this this, this son, um, he, it says he was humiliated. He, he was covered in shame when he got to the end of his inheritance and he was literally surviving from a pig's trough. And he goes back to the father and it, uh, the Bible says in, in verse 20, He set off from home and from a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning. So he was still dressed like his mess. And in our lives, um, shame is not healed by changing the way that you think. You cannot think your way out of shame. And shame, his humiliation uh, was not healed by his desire for the Father. Your shame is not healed by your passion for Jesus. You can have a lot of passion for Jesus and still be covered in a lot of shame. And, you know, at the very beginning of our story, God created us in such innocence uh, 
that we were described as naked and unashamed. That we were naked and we didn't even know it. And, you know, humans are vulnerable. So there's not like you're vulnerable or you're not vulnerable. You were born naked. (laughs) Being naked in a garden is vulnerable. There's There's a lot of exposure when you're naked in a garden. There's a lot to see. There's a lot to feel fully known. And you know what the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy is the innocence and the joy in your vulnerability. That, you know, they hid themselves with fig leaves And the first thing the father says is, who told you you were naked? How did you come to this conclusion? And why did you decide you needed to protect yourself in your vulnerability? And, you know, what, what this son is returning to the father in his humiliation He was still dressed like a beggar. He still smelt like the pig's trough. He had been eating. You know, have you ever spoke to someone after they had a really strong tasting meal? (laughs) Have you ever had an intimate conversation with someone after they had something with onions? And you're like, oh, I totally know what you had for lunch and you don't even have to say it. (laughs) And this son returned to the father clothed in his shame. And the father scooped him up and brought him to his chest and just started kissing him over and over. And it is in the moment where you are embraced in your shame, that shame begins to heal. When you are seen and known and held, when you are still dressed like a beggar, the parts of you that have been hiding behind fig leaves start to feel safe. And Jesus came to redeem your innocence that was stolen. And, you know, anyone who wants to enter the kingdom has to become like a child. You actually have to be born again and come out naked on the other side. Children are the most vulnerable people on the planet. Children are the poorest people on the planet because the quality of their life, their safety, their flourishing, their provision is 100% dependent on somebody else. And to enter the kingdom, 
we have to say yes to embracing that kind of vulnerability. The kind of vulnerability that is 100% dependent on a father. 100%. I, I let go of all my means of protecting myself and keeping myself safe in my vulnerable state. And I say yes to a father protecting me. A father keeping me safe. And this son literally was kissed when he still smelled like a pig. And the father interrupted his storytelling to, to rejoice, you're home now. You're home now. And he, he throws him this massive party. And this is Isaiah 61, that for your shame, I'm going to give you a double portion. And you come with all your shame. And the father says, robe, ring, sandals, go. Friends, let's celebrate. He will always be way more extravagant than we could ever ask, think, or imagine on our best day. So that's a little recap. And today I want to talk about uh, the older son. So... Uh, it says in verse 25, after everyone celebrated and was overflowing with joy, verse 25, now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, father, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing a graced feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. I really love this guy. This guy has my heart. Because if you've been in the church for more than five minutes, you've probably been this guy at some point. And so we all have grace for this guy. We have as much grace for this guy as we do the other guy, right? 
And, you know, shame not only lies to us in our most terrible, humiliating moments of our story. Shame also lies to you in your high points of life, in your gifts, in your callings, in your talents, in what you have to offer. And, you know, when you use your faithfulness to get your needs met in the kingdom, it is a fig leaf of shame. And you can just as much cover yourself with your gifts and your strengths as and your talents. You can use all of those gifts you've been given in your character structure to hide your vulnerability, to hide your need and your dependency on a father, on a good God. And anything in your life that you're using to get attention is a fig leaf. Anything you're using in your life to get approval is a fig leaf. Anything you're using in your life to be accepted, to experience being wanted is a fig leaf. Because true intimacy requires all those things fall to the ground and I see you and you see me. And this older brother was more aware of, of what he had been doing than what the father had been doing. And in, in religion, the main event is who you are. The main event in religion is your choices, how disciplined you are, your character structure, your prayer life, how much you're reading the Bible, how much of the Roman road do you have memorized, how many people have you gotten saved, how many signs, wonders, and miracles are you walking in? And it magnifies you. The gospel magnifies the Father. The gospel is such ridiculously good news. It does, if, if, sometimes it feels like this, this could not be right. This could not be right that 100% of your access to the Father has zero to do with you. You have nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation was not built on you. How much of Jesus did you need to get saved? <laughs> was it like 95% Jesus and 5% you? How much did you contribute to your access to the Father? How much of your performance 
got you the love of God. And in unhealthy relational structures, you have to perform in a very specific way to get the needs you have met. And if you do A, B, and C, you will get da, 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 whatever you're craving. None of the nature of God is determined by you. <laughs> Listen, this is hard because we're human beings. And when your two-year-old's throwing a tantrum, somehow you start throwing a tantrum. <laughs> and you're like, you, I, okay, I am rolling around the ground screaming at you. How, how did this happen? How, what? I am now five years old. Because you are not God. You are not the source of love. The source of love does not change when your behavior changes. You will never be that powerful to dictate and determine and define who God is. He is the ancient of days. He did not begin when you began. This is shocking. My, my kids feel shocked all the time when they find out I had a life before they existed. <laughs> like, what? I'm like, I know. The older you get, the more stories you'll hear. <laughs> the, this is an ongoing revelation. The father had a life before you came into the picture. He had a whole life with the Godhead before earth even was. He was never created. None of who you are shaped who he is. You will never be the potter. He will never be the clay. You can try to manipulate him with your performance. He does not change. <laughs> you can try to manipulate him by pouting. He doesn't change. You could be the best of the best of the best of the best. You could never disobey him one time. He won't be any better. You know, his feedback to his older son was grace and truth. And this is what love looks like, grace and truth. And he, he's basically saying, son, one of us needs to change here. <laughs> the party's not stopping. Let me just give you zero hope in the nature of God ever changing. 
He has, he is, and he always will be. When we get resentful because we feel used, it's normally because we've been using ourselves. We've been using our gifts. We've been using our personality. We've been using our strengths, our talents. We've been using our story to get our beautiful, healthy needs met. And until we drop the fig leaves in our soul, nobody around here is going naked as long as I'm here. <laughs> the fig leaves in your soul, the part of you that makes you human, we will never feel the benefit of how good he is, how kind he is, how happy he is. And when we feel disconnected from his nature, he did not leave, you are hiding. You are hiding and isolating yourself from the vulnerability of needing that kind of dependency. The kingdom requires 100% dependency. To live the life Jesus has called us to is entirely impossible. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. Even greater things than I do, you will do. This is Jesus talking. <laughs> to live with this kind of purity flowing through our soul. That I'm not using myself to get what I need. Requires radical discipleship, radical, radical lifestyle of vulnerability. And children, you know, this isn't something you discipline yourself into. This is something you receive. We receive the gift of a new nature, the gift of a childlike innocence, a childlike curiosity, a childlike trust that is naive. He said it. It's got to be true. He does not lie. And, you know, the older son wasn't living in the faithfulness of his father. He was living in his own faithfulness. He said, I've been, I've been faithful out here working, never missing a thing. 
And he was living out of his own resource, his own character structure. And the invitation of the gospel is come live inside of mine. Come live inside of my faithfulness. To truly feel loved, there, there is no being used. If, if you feel used by God, you will not feel loved by God. Because his love will have an agenda attached to it if you feel like he's using you. This is, this is what Jesus modeled. You know, the religious spirit gets afraid. Well, nothing's going to get done. If God isn't using me, the whole earth is going to go to hell. Let's just clear up your little theological issues right there because you don't have any power to keep people from hell. Jesus is the only power that rescued us from hell. So this is what Jesus said in John 14. Everything I do, the Father is doing through me. Not even these works, not even these miracles am I doing on my own initiative. The Father is doing them through me. Even my words are not my own. The Father is speaking through me. Your destiny is oneness with the Father. True fruit, John 15 said, that lasts into eternity comes from your oneness with Jesus. If you want to bear fruit into eternity, remain with me. Abide in me. Let everything you do be done with me. Let me work through you. You are destined to be a vessel that's so surrendered in oneness that when people see you, they see the Father. This is the torch that Jesus handed us. That the end goal of all ministry is reconciliation to the Father. Be reconciled to the Father. Be one with the Father. To make an eternal impact on the earth, we move about the earth in our oneness through abiding, through remaining in him. And when you feel unappreciated, not seen, disvalued, it, it is an invitation to not change your external world, but to look within. 
Am I living with boundaries? Are there limits on my giving? Are there limits on my life? Am I living with limits or am I waiting for my outside world to define my limits for me? And we can experience so much codependency in even the way we're expressing ourselves in the kingdom because we were t taught that that's actually spiritual attributes. It's actually more spiritual for somebody else to tell me what to do than for me to have a relationship with the Father that I'm I am the one inserting my limits. Yes, I would love to do that. Nope. If I did that, I'll hate you later. <laughs> and I can't hate you. I have to love you forever. It's better I say no. And it's just as holy to say no as it is to say yes when you're abiding in the Father. And so when you're feeling resentful, it's not good information about the people out there. When you're feeling resentful, it's really good information about the person that lives in here. And where am I using my spirituality to stay stuck in my maturity? Where am I using my spirituality to not embrace growth processes that require me to have one God, one Lord, and people's opinions of me do not define me. People that live with boundaries have a capacity to give longer because you don't burn out and you don't end up hating the people you're called to love. And boundaries are incredibly spiritual because it, it was a massive boundary to enter the kingdom. To enter the kingdom, you said, I'm gonna have one God. Every other God I'm gonna say no to. I'm gonna say no to any other God. Man will not be my God. I will not be my God. I'm going to have one Lord whose thoughts will reign supreme over all others. And every area of my life will come up underneath the Lordship of Jesus. So to enter the kingdom, you already decided to live with boundaries. And to live a childlike, vulnerable life We have to have boundaries. And, you know, the, the most beautiful thing that I return to in this passage is how kind the father is to his son. He's, he's just so kind. He's just as generous to this son out on the field as he was to the son in the middle of the road. And he says, son, you have always been with me. Everything that's mine is yours. The starting point of every promise in the kingdom is I'm with you. I'll be there. 
I'll be wherever you are. You know, his solution to all the insecurity, to all the deficits, to all the jealousy and the anger that this older brother was gushing out, I'll be with you. I'm here. I'm here. Everything that I am belongs to you. And the goodness of God refuses to let your confidence be in a party. The goodness of God refuses to let your security be in a robe that's better than your brother's. The kindness of Jesus, the overwhelming nature of his happiness about you refuses to let your security and his affection for you rest in a goat. To all that pain that the religious spirit subjects us to, the father's response was, son, you belong to me. I will never leave you. Look at, look at you. If you're in the field jealous, I'm out here in the field talking to you. You belong to me. Everything that's mine is yours. How would you stand on the earth? What would your shoulders look like if you believed this decree? What would your thought life look like if you believed God is with me right now in this moment? I've got all sorts of issues going on and my father is here. My father loves me. Everything that belongs to him, belongs to me. He is with me. This is the promise of the Father that has shaped our lineage. Gideon was scared out of his mind, telling God, I'm the least, I'm the least, I'm the least. What was God's answer? Gideon, I'll be with you. Moses was scared out of his mind. No way, I'm not going to Pharaoh. Are you crazy? You're crazy. Who are you? What is even your name? He doesn't even address all the crazy. He says, Moses, I'll be with you. I'll be there. I'll be there. Jesus comes walking the earth. Who are you? I'm with you. I'm Emmanuel. I'm present. I'm here. How would you live in the deficits of your life if you knew the Father stepped into them with you? This is your promise. It's in the Bible. You belong to me. You have always been with me by my side. Everything that's mine is yours. I just want you to stand up. And I just want you to get curious like a child. Who would I be on this earth 
if, if I believed there was never a moment of scarcity, never a moment of poverty in my father's house. And you know, it's so important that we are in the room for each other's parties because the goodness of God triggers your poverty. The goodness of God, the extravagance of God exposes every area where you've been discipled by a poverty spirit. And I need to know where the earth has shaped my expectation. I need to know where I am expecting to be forgotten. I need to know where I'm expecting to be left out. I need to know where poverty has said, you're on the outside of love, you'll always be on the outside of love, you'll never get in. Because those are the very places the father is coming out to the field and saying, come hear my goodness. Come taste what my goodness sounds like, feels like. This is him wrapping his arms around your shame and saying, come and feel my affection for you. I see you. I love you. I choose you. Every area of your life right now is your training ground to be the one the Father loves. To be the one the Father finds. None of your fullness is waiting on somebody else. None of your destiny is waiting on somebody else. Your destiny is oneness with the Father. And, you know, the Father said to this son, the son first said, well, your son wasted all your money on prostitutes. And the Father says, your brother, your brother, your oneness with your brother is in the Father. And Jesus' prayer was, Father, make them one as we are one. And your destiny is to feel about your brother the way your father feels about your brother. Your destiny is to be the first in line at the feast the way the father is the first in line at the feast. And you cannot feel about your brother the way the father feels about your brother without oneness with the father. Where was Jesus in this story? He was in the Father. He was one with the Father. He was out on the road. He was calling for the ring. He was calling for the robe. 
He was one with the Father. And your destiny on the earth is to be the affection of the Father to the world around you. And the only way for that kind of oneness to happen is our surrender inside of the Father. And you know, when, when I uh, was dating, uh, we had broken up a lot of times. And um, the last time we broke up, I, I, I had this vision and Justin and I were little, little kids, and we were on the father's lap, and uh, he was tickling us, and we were laughing, and then the father stopped tickling me, and he was just tickling Justin, and I thought, what? Get him out of this vision. You know, we had just broken up, and I thought, do not bless him in any way, shape, or form. Like, you are on my side. You are on my side. And I felt all these feelings of jealousy and anger and hurt and resentment and pain. And I just thought, how can I get out of here? And through the summer, that summer, the Lord started discipling me about um, love. And true love looks for the benefit of another even if you have no gain. And you say you love him, but you don't want him to benefit apart from you. So then I started praying this prayer. God, bless him. Just bless him. If, he isn't, if, if you have another woman for him, I bless her. I bless her. I pray that he would benefit, that he would live in the fullness. And, and I would pray in such anguish. I, I pray that he would live in the fullness of everything you've called him to. God, if it doesn't include me, I just want the best for him. And by the end of the summer, I prayed it and I felt it. I meant it. I just want him to be blessed because I love him. I love him. And I want to love him without an agenda. If it does not include me, if I do not benefit, bless him. And by the end of the summer, the Lord took me back into the vision. And we were little kids sitting on the father's lap. And he was tickling him and tickling me. And he did the same thing. And he just started tickling Justin. And I started laughing so hard. My heart was so full of joy watching the father bless him that I fell off the father's lap. And I was laughing harder and wider and deeper than even Justin was. And true love feels full in the act of loving. It does not feel full after you've loved. It feels full in the act of loving. And to truly live in the fullness of the Father's heart, I have to be as happy as the Father about you being blessed. That I intend to derive more joy out of watching you be blessed than even you do. And when we are actually living in the Father, there is no poverty. 
there is more than enough. And so I just want us to put our shoulders back this morning. I want us to live in the reality of how the Father sees us. And I've, I've been having this sense, this feeling that I see Jesus laying out all these clothes. And it feels like the night before the first day of school. And I used to always lay out my new clothes because we were, I grew up in a family where you couldn't wear your new clothes, Dave, until your first day of school. And I had all these new shiny clothes that would just be staring at me. They fit, they were perfect, they were ready, they were shiny, and I could not wear them until the first day of school. So the, f- the night before the first day of school, I would lay everything out, I would pick out the outfit, I would take so much time. And I'd just be so excited. Because I guess you just need new clothes to learn something new. I don't know. And so I, I keep seeing Jesus. And he's, he has that giddy, excited feeling. And I see him picking these outfits and he, he's laying them out. And they've been in the closet for a long time. And they fit and they're ready and there's tags. And I say, what are you doing? And he's saying, ah. Oh, I'm so excited I'm dressing you in new thoughts. These, these thoughts fit you perfectly. You've never worn them before. They're brand new. I'm dressing you in brand new thoughts. These are my thoughts. Can you wear them all day? Can it be the most exciting part of your day? Isn't just what you do, but what you wear while you do it. Can you travel? in these clothes? Can you walk with me in a new wardrobe? Can you put on my mind? Can you think in one with how I think about you? Everything that's mine belongs to you. In John 14, Jesus said, I am leaving but I'm not leaving you the way that you're used to being left, bereft, lacking something. I'm leaving you with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Fullness is your starting point today. So let's just say this together. Jesus, be it unto me according to your word. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.